there was this old church building we were walking up to, and it looked like a castle. <laughs> and you know, and it does. It looks like a <laughs> mighty fortress of a so, castle. So, like, the first night we went over to visit, as we were entertaining this, Nancy's walking up and walking down the sidewalk, and she's like, this is it. And then we didn't hear from her for, like, two weeks, because <laughs> she was like, oh, oh, my gosh, what's happening? <laughs> you know, it's just this, because it is daunting. It's a daunting task. We won't lie to you that this is a, an incredible opportunity, but equally, it's going to be a ton of um, a ton of work to see this uh, come to its full um, potential. Mm-hmm. But the potential is insane. The amount of uh, awesome stuff that's already going on there, like Sonia said, mm-hmm. is incredible. But then the openness of the leadership that um, definitely recruited and then uh, appointed Sonia um, to your your big vision and dream mm-hmm. of us having a space that um, is neighborhood facing and mm-hmm. not just neighborhood, but city facing. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's the potential here is. Um, you know, if anybody's been, it won't be like this. It won't be like the old church in, over by PSU because um, we are kind of have a little bit of a different uh, kind of idea. But like that, that idea of uh, a space that um, eventually becomes a venue. So it, uh, the neighborhood and even the city gets used to being in that space and associating what's going on there um, with with art and with music and, and doing it from the perspective that we have of, of uh, that being ways that we connect uh, people to these transcendent experiences to mm-hmm. kind of steal one of Eric's phrases about uh, what happens when we are uh, engaging in, in music and, and that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. so it's very exciting, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's, it's more, uh, I mean, it's more than we ever dreamed. We, we, we've sat around for a decade um, and talked about spaces in Portland that we'd love to see uh, uh, ourselves get to be located in, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this... Um, and that neighborhood is, is absolutely is, one of them. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. incredible. And it's the neighborhood that Vic and Kathy uh, have relatively... I mean, you just sit around the corner. Uh, it's a neighborhood they've had a heart for um, for 30 years, something like that. I mean, it's where Alec grew up. Don't hold that against us. Um, Eric went to elementary school right across the street. Played, played basketball, basketball in the gym at the, the church. At the church. Um, oh. <laughs> Alec is growing up in that neighborhood. Oh, <laughs> where is Alec? Oh, <laughs> where is he? He's not even here for. <laughs> hmm. Family meeting. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. All right. So anyway, oh, there is that, and so um, in addition to that, so this is the time of the year that. Um, different ministers are being appointed to different spaces, um, and uh, I um, also very exciting and awesome. Andrew and Regina, who we love being here, have been appointed to Park Rose. Is that Park Rose United Methodist Church? And uh, will July first? Yeah, July first. It's all legit. Yeah. yeah. So that is really awesome too. And um, and but the they I mean we know this right. I'm not like the the partnership is just begun. Yes, the work together is just beginning. So um, anyway, uh, they won't be disappearing from our lives, but hopefully even more intentional partnerships. So very exciting stuff. So that's pretty big news, yeah? Yeah. 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 Easter's good. Well, hey, uh, we're getting ready, you know, every, every time we come to the text, and especially when we come to scripture on a holiday like Christmas or Easter, I come in and I'm like, you know what? 
I want to find something new to tell everybody about this Easter story. Like, I'm going to uncover, this is so, I mean, how arrogant is this, right? I'm going to uncover something new that no one has ever seen before in the text. This is going to be the most exciting, like, revelatory Easter ever for everyone. That's my, that's the expectation I've set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every Every year year will be a new. Until we just launch into eternity. Yes, yes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I was like, I'm like praying about it. I'm like, God, I just, you know, like, give me some, like, a new piece of the story that, I can share with this community and in my mind as I was praying about it Jesus like kind of gave an emoji face does Jesus ever speak to you in emojis and he yeah he, yeah he did the eye roll you know the eye roll one and then the this one I can't do it yeah you know you're all doing it yeah yeah, yeah. those are the two emoji faces that he that said back to me would you call that the cringe that's the I don't know about that yeah it's a cringe right yeah. you're like oh I don't know yeah yeah good luck with that Sonia yeah yeah mm-hmm. I well yeah I mean you were nice yeah, I mean, because what you said to me yesterday was like, I'm pretty sure I got this from you, this trip. Yeah, right? I did. Because <laughs> yeah. we've been working together so long. Because that's not necessarily a natural thing for you to to dig and have to find the new. Yeah, the new. I just want people to feel something deeply. Yeah, right. that's true. But, yeah. but I, I <laughs> yeah. So I, I need to feel more of that. Yeah. I want, and I think I am. I think we're influencing each other. Mm-hmm. But I, I have that exact same thing, whether it's Advent or Christmas or Lent or Good Friday or Easter. Um, you know, I want to do research and find something. Um, I guess that's the natural teacher in me. I want to find that that thing that you haven't heard yet, or or that might unlock a little bit of a a, a piece of information for you, right? Um, but in, and maybe we're wired that way, right? Mm-hmm. Just by our society, always mm-hmm. looking for the new thing. What's what's new about this, right? And then, like I said, I think it's that um, teacher temptation to be informational, right? Mm-hmm. Always always looking for information to share. And, um, you know, I, I found one. It's a, it was a statement mm-hmm. that I made and wrote down. Have you ever heard about the ancient Near Eastern infant swaddling techniques and the theological implication of said practices? Right? That was an example that I had <laughs> that I made up of uh, something that might happen. Um, right. That would be a Christmas yeah. piece of information. Right. That you would, key here, the reason he didn't yeah. cry was this swaddling technique that you may not right. have known about right. in that ancient <laughs> Near Eastern <rooted> practices. <laughs> the comfort of, yeah. BS. That's what that is. That's not true. I made that up, okay? Let's be totally clear. <laughs> People are like, oh my gosh. Ancient Near Eastern <laughs> swaddling techniques. Google it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, these stories, they're, they're so much more than informational. Right? And, and that's, that's a difficult thing for somebody who's kind of wired like I am, because I am always looking for the information, because um, that's just kind of how my brain works. Look for the information that leads to inspiration or that leads to the actual transformation of behavior, right? And th- but that's not how everybody uh, works, and that's not even how we see the, say, the gospel writers. The gospel writers weren't concerned with getting all the information lined up in the same order, making it all the same. They, they were trying to um, inspire people and see uh, people introduced to the person of Jesus for the sake of transformation, right? And so it, it, they were, so that's always what I'm trying to work on, is understanding the difference between being a, uh, a leader that can transfer information or one that can lead us to places of, of inspiration or, or of transformation, right? Um, but these stories, uh, like we, we were talking about this, like the stories stay the same, and so that's why we're always looking for that, kind of looking for this new thing. 
But um, as we were chatting about this, we came to this idea that like the stories change or stay the same every year, but but our experience is different. Mm-hmm. Like from from uh, we come to these stories from different places from year mm-hmm. to year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so as I was um, praying about, oh, which Easter text should we talk about? What should we say? Um, yeah, I, I, I just sensed the Holy Spirit saying, maybe, maybe the ancient story and the idea of resurrection, maybe this ancient story needs to find new space in our lives. And maybe there are areas that we've experienced some disappointment or hopelessness or even death. Yeah. And what we need is that resurrection story life. Yeah to begin to permeate those areas that are still experiencing death, that are still experiencing disappointment. And that's where the new thing happens. That's where all things become new. And um, and, and to be completely transparent and vulnerable in this moment, I have a lot of areas like that in my life. I have a lot of areas right now where I'm disappointed or disillusioned or I'm sad or I'm grieving. I'm still grieving. And there are areas that I am asking and, and, on, and out of faith. Because really, like when I, when I was wrestling with it, I'm like, I don't even know. Like, am I even, I should not be pastoring. Like, I don't know if, it, <laughs> I should not be doing this because I don't have that whatever faith that I look at and think that I need to have. Um, um, but what it, it for me, uh, uh, in the deconstruction, in the burrowing in and digging down deep, um, what I really am trusting in and hoping for still and hoping this morning is that that resurrection life that we were singing about, that we're talking about, begins to permeate these areas of my life where I've experienced death. And that's my hope for all of us this morning. Well, yeah. I think, you know, one of the things you and I have been chatting about um, so much lately is that idea of, I mean, and maybe it's just kind of stage of life sort of stuff that, that we're going through. Our know? midlife crisis. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, 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 45, I, yeah. man. I it mean, hit like a truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you, can, you can totally be funny about it. Yeah. But it's it's legitimate. We yeah. change as yeah. we get older. We have experiences that build up um, as we get older. And, and, and these things change our perspective. And um, we've been kind of operating on this theory that at least some aspects of our spirituality uh, seem to be almost dying. That's yes. kind of what we are experiencing. Mm-hmm. And, and some of you may have that kind of experience uh, throughout your life or, or with different um, moments and stuff like that, different relationships uh, uh, happen with the church or something like that. And, it, and something that you grew up with, um, mm-hmm. it passes, it passes mm-hmm. away. And we are faced in that moment with like, is there going to be a resurrection of something new mm-hmm. or, or do we just mourn? And you might need to mourn for a while and you might need to grieve that, that loss of, uh, because it's comfort, right? A lot of our, our way of approaching faith or our way of approaching God can be comforting to us. Um, but the more I do this, the more I'm convinced that God is not that's not his greatest priority is our comfort in our spirituality. And um, what I'm observing is that you get to this place in life and you get this choice of like, well, do I just accept um, how things are and coast the rest of the way out? Or do we do this deep work and, and find this new thing? And that is a, a scary place, but an 
an amazing place. And that's, that's exactly how I feel at this stage of our life, this stage of our um, ministry, for lack of better terms, mm-hmm. is this time that God is he's birthing something new while something else is passing. And whew, that is, yeah. that's tough. Yeah. And, and ultimately, we're going to get into the text, and, uh, you know, this isn't hopefully a spoiler, but I just want to say in this moment, too, like, <laughs> the spoiler, spoiler, Jesus, there's Listen, a resurrection. This spoiler. story's been told for 2,000 years. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, because I want to journey with, but um, um, the hope that I have this morning in the midst of, um, of the death that we have experienced in our community, in that grieving process, there is a deep, for me, this is my, I, I give witness to this, that I do believe that death is not the end, yep. but that there is a resurrection, that Jesus was first and we will follow. Yeah. And that is something that is sometimes very hard to hold on to yeah. and very hard to put trust and faith in. But um, that is our hope. <laughs> our hope is that Nothing, not even death, can separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus. And when that love is, here's what's powerful to me and and what I experienced um, with the Washington family, is that the love that I witnessed in their family, the love that I see that we have for one another, nothing can separate us. Returning Death has been overcome. This is something that is inevitable and that we all head towards and we all live in a a denial of in our eternal youth that we want to exist in. (laughs) Um, But as as we mourn and as we grieve, which is appropriate and right, we mourn with those who mourn and we will sit in it. Like I said, I'm a four. I will sit in this to the end. But um, it is not the end. And that is, that's our hope. Mm. That is our hope. Yeah. Um, and, and this idea of knowing, like, do I, I, I hope, I hope yeah. it is my belief, yeah. you know, it's what I hold on to. So that is the yeah. spirit with which we come into, oh, I'm coming into Easter this morning. And, um, so like, can it, we, oh, jump well, in. Well, oh. one last mini sermon. I, okay. I just, <laughs> Cause this reminds me of just such a powerful writing that I read from a, um, a Catholic priest that you and I have been deeply influenced by, a guy named Henry Nouwen. Uh, I highly recommend uh, his writing uh, to any any of you. Um, but there was, a, um, I can't remember if it was In the Name of Jesus, that book, or Life of the Beloved. Um, you might you might remember, but he, he talks about uh, getting older. That, that was kind of their section. He's talking about um, that as you get older, you lose, you lose friends, you lose family, you, you have these experiences of loss, you lose um, jobs, uh, you lose relevance, you know, mm-hmm. I think it was in life of the, or in, uh, in the name of Jesus, yeah, because that's mm-hmm. where he really talks about that, that you lose, you lose the sense of relevance, and that, um, and eventually you start to even lose the, the physical capabilities, and that kind of thing, and he challenges like that, he's challenging the typical American upwardly mobile, everything is always greater, better, better, better kind of idea with the fact that this is the reality, that as you get older, we lose. But he had this, this depth of connection that out of that we gain, if we're willing to face that, we, we gain this new perspective of mm. what it is that's coming. That this life with God mm. is where the fulfillment comes from. And that depth in God 
is, is what we need. We need that sense of love. And I, I start seeing this everywhere. We've been studying the Enneagram to try to spur on some emotional health in our, uh, in our leadership marriage. team, yeah. in our marriage, <laughs> yeah, in yeah. our leadership team. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, I see the same thing there. Just this testimony that all of the ways we act out and the stuff we do, it's all about this trying to, trying to find divine love. That it's the same story, right? Is we behave in the ways we do because we're seeking God. Whether we do it by that name or not, we're seeking that sense of divine love and divine acceptance. And um, and that's this story. I mean, you've already spoiled it. There's resurrection at the end. Um, it, is, it is the story. The story of that. The story of the all of this. Because what Henry's talking about is, is the death of things. And that resurrection is the undoing of that and the remaking of something completely different that will ultimately, we believe, be more incredible than anything we could imagine. Yeah? Yeah. We could go. You want, no. you want to be done? Let's <laughs> Don't go. give them that option. No. They're like, yeah, <laughs> yep, actually. Somebody got up. There yeah, you go. Yeah, 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 we're yeah, joking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, here we go. All right, let's just jump into the text. We're going to read the Easter story from Luke chapter 24, and we're just going to go through that this morning and be encouraged and inspired by yeah, the word. Yeah. You ready? Yeah. Luke, Luke 24, 24 verse uh, one. 1. The message, I believe, is what we're reading. We are. It's going to be... Every other word once. we're going to try. No. <laughs> yeah. Go. Okay. At the crack of dawn on Sunday, the women came to the tomb carrying the burial spices that they had prepared. They found the entrance stone rolled back from the tomb. Yeah, this is the part. So I was reading this, and this is the part. Okay, I'm just saying, like, put yourself in this spot. Jesus has been murdered. He's in a tomb, okay? You're going to that tomb to do the things that you traditionally do. You come up to the tomb. The stone's been rolled away. Like, this heavy stone's gone, and there's just a dark, empty tomb that you're looking at. How many of you go into that tomb? No, right? This is the part of that Jordan Peele movie where you're like closing your eyes like this and you're like, don't go in, don't go in, don't go in, right? Am I right? You do not go into dark cavernous spaces. No, you don't do it. These women, I tell you what. So they walked in. <laughs> yes. Um, but once inside, they couldn't find the body of the master Jesus. They were puzzled, wondering what to make of it. Then out of nowhere, it seemed, two men, light cascading over them, stood there. The women were awestruck and bowed down in worship. The men said, why are you looking for the living one in a cemetery? Yeah, the passage, I read, I grew up listening to this like in, in other versions. You're yeah. like, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Yeah. Which is such a powerful question. Yeah. And I say the answer is because this is the pattern we're familiar with. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? It's a natural human paradigm. The dead stay dead. Yes. The typically yeah, yeah, yeah they don't leave tombs. That is, yeah, yep. right? Yep. And in the end, death wins. That's, yeah. that's the human experience. Yeah. That's what hangs over humanity, mm -hmm. right, is questions of mortality. Mm -hmm. I mean, think of the amount of trees that have been killed to make paper to write books about. Mortality. Yeah, I mean, this is, this, is, this is what drives so much of our human condition. But in this moment, right, this moment of expecting that, expecting the paradigm to be the same, there's this moment of light. I loved, I loved the way 
uh, Eugene Peterson, you know, mm -hmm. uses that language, like this light cascading over mm -hmm. them, right? This dark tomb. Yeah. And, and then, then this whoosh, just this like light almost pouring out like water, you mm -hmm. know, just this incredible moment. It just said a, a mo in this moment of revelation, the paradigm, the human paradigm, the paradigm of the like the core of probably most human fear. Right, most of our fears in that moment that is is shifted, challenged, um, maybe even just changed forever for these women. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So these men say, verse six, he is not here, but raised up. Remember how he told you when you were still back in Galilee that he had to be handed over to sinners, be killed on a cross, and in three days rise up. <laughs> Don't you remember that story? <laughs> You'd be like, I thought I, I would remember that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then it was in that moment. Then they remembered Jesus's words. And my grab from this was sometimes it's not until after the fact that we remember Jesus's words to us. And that's okay. Unless you're in right? Enneagram 1. Unless you're in Enneagram 1. Yeah, then it's not okay. Because then you're sitting there thinking to yourself, why didn't I see this coming? <laughs> Man, I should have really remembered that. That yeah. was significant. <laughs> Next time, I will believe better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Enneagram 1's are perfectionists. So if you're a perfectionist, that's what you would be thinking. Yeah. Verse 9. Verse 9. The women left the tomb and broke the news of all of this to the eleven and the rest. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them kept telling these things to the apostles. And the apostles were like, totally, we totally believe everything that you've said, ladies. <laughs> no. It's not what, that's not Verse 11. But the apostles <laughs> didn't believe a word of it. They thought they were making it all up. <laughs> Yeah, right? All the women in the, like, what? Um, just a side note, you know, this is just a, this is a side note, that people have not believed one another's testimonies or stories for a long time, right? I don't know, I read this, sometimes we can look at our context and like, why don't we believe one another when we say the things we say, right? And we think this is a new problem, just for the record, right? Um, we have not believed for a long time, and um, especially stories from people who don't have power or place, yeah. right? And maybe we need to start believing one another. Mm -hmm. That's just a side note. Yeah. Okay. Well, I I was yeah. I read your side note and I thought I wonder what Craig Keener has to say about that, <laughs> the commentator. Mm -hmm. And he says Jewish officials considered the witness of women nearly worthless because they regarded women as unstable and undependable. Yeah. It attracts bears. Um, yeah. <laughs> but. Um, he also talked about another reason that they might not have believed. Yeah, also. Um, he says, <laughs> yeah. what? No, I just, your next point. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, part of the reason for the apostles' unbelief is that a resurrection of this nature contradicted their messianic experiences, right? So yeah, they, I'm just saying, like, that's not a typical story. Like, if you came back and was yeah. like, Sonia, yeah. yeah, it rose from the dead, I'd be like, no. Yeah. You know, like, I, I, that's a pretty unbelievable a story. Yeah. Just, yeah, I just think it's funny. It's like, one of the reasons they didn't believe was because they're women. Yeah. Also because yeah. resurrection. Yeah. <laughs> so because well, and, resurrection. And that's, I mean, that's part of it. But <laughs> yeah. what he's making the point is, is yeah. it didn't fit their expectations. Right. What right. they thought the, the coming the size, of the kingdom yes. of God was going to look like, yeah. it didn't look like this. Yeah. It didn't look like your primary leader getting murdered by the state. Yeah. That's not what... That's yeah. not what victory looks like. Right, right. Right. In our paradigm, our way of thinking. And our inability to hear, like Jesus is telling, here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. Yeah. And like you're just so in your own frame of mind that right. you don't even hear yes. like explicit, him explicitly telling what's going to happen. Yeah. And so we can't even have hope. He's like, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. And yeah. you're like, I can't even. Yeah. 
you know? Well, they, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> There's um, all kinds of speculation we can make, though. But I did want to really make this point, because this, this idea is always deeply important to me. Because what I'm, what I'm really concerned with, and you, and you are too, is um, finding spaces or creating spaces where folks who don't believe feel like they can pursue some sort of um, exploration of who Jesus is. I, I don't think we've achieved that. I, I, I think we still operate as a church does in many ways. And this, but this, is, this fuels experimentation that we continue to try and continue to want to, to have happen. And it's a tension that we live in. This tension of proclaiming what we believe about the person of Jesus but also saying, it's okay if you don't believe what I believe yet. You can journey with this. You can be a part of it. And I see that in this. The apostles, right? This is the apostles. The ones that were trusted with carrying the gospel message to the world. They were trusted with establishing uh, the church by Jesus. That's why they, that's why, that's what the term apostle means. Sent ones. That, that they were the sent ones. They're the ones struggling with belief in the resurrection. Mm-hmm. They're going, no, <laughs> I don't think that's right. And Jesus had told them. Mm-hmm. And if they're going to struggle with it, why should we not? Why, why should we not be honest about it when we, when we struggle with it? Why should we not uh, allow for our friends who aren't believers to have space in our lives and in our, in our family as a church if they don't quite believe that? Right. I mean, based on some uh, environments, the the apostles would not be considered people full of faith. Yeah. Right. Because they were like, yeah, I don't think that's how it's going to go down. Yeah. Um, Back to the story. Um, Luke 24, 12. But Peter jumped to his feet and ran to the tomb. He stooped to look in and saw a few grave clothes. And that's all. He walked away puzzled, shaking his head. I love that Peter had to go see for himself. I like Peter's, like, he, the, the testimony about Peter is that he's kind of a person of action and, like, quick. Like, he's, he's governed by his emotion, I yeah. think. He's like, what? You know, he runs off to go see for himself. Um, he took his doubt and he acted. Um, but what he saw, and this was interesting to me that I caught from this story that was, like, new, uh, like, revelatory to me was, like, I, I'm like, oh, yeah, Peter went and he saw the same thing, but he didn't. Peter went to the tomb. It's still dark and empty, and all he sees are grave clothes. He doesn't get two men clothed in light being like, ah, you know what I mean? He just gets, he, nothing supernatural and spectacular happens. And so he's still leaving with this doubt. He's still not believing the women. He's still not, his mind is like, I don't really know what is going on. And sometimes our reality and our grief will keep us in confusion and disbelief, right? What have we seen? Oh, so this brings it, like, let's bring it to us. What have we seen this past year that keeps us in confusion Mm -hmm. and disbelief? What are areas where things have happened to us that we just can't seem to reconcile with the gospel that we've heard mm-hmm. our whole lives? How have we experienced, what have we experienced? What are the losses we've experienced? And how has that affected our ability to even engage and celebrate Easter? Mm-hmm. Right? There's a very real life stuff that's going on that disrupts and can interrupt and affect the way in which we can hear and see good news. Yeah. 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 
Luke continues to tell the Easter story by writing about two men that are walking home, and they're sad. Those, that's the word. They were, they, they were sad. That was yeah. the descriptive word for them. Sad. They're discussing. So these two men, they're walking on their way home to Emmaus, okay? And they're discussing the hottest political and religious news of the moment. Okay, that this man, Jesus, who they thought might be the Messiah, had been betrayed by their own people and killed by their oppressors. So they're walking back. They're just telling the story. I don't know if you like to talk about political news. I do. And like, I can just imagine like walking through my neighborhood, talking about the latest stuff that's going on, right? They're just, they're just, they're sad. They're depressed. And Jesus comes along and he starts walking with them. Okay. All right. So might I suggest as we go into this next part of the text, might I suggest that even in our greatest moments of discouragement and disbelief, Jesus may be walking with us, asking us, what's going on? What's happening? Why are you feeling this way? Waiting for a moment for us to recognize him. Here we go. Verse 28. They came to the edge of the village. Oh, I just summed up. Sorry. Yeah. So they walked. Sorry. Sorry. I skipped part of that. So uh, <laughs> I like, we're, we're going to jump ahead to verse 28. Sorry. So they've been walking with Jesus. Sorry. This was me. I put summation. Oh, I was supposed to give a summation. Yeah, yeah. So they're walking. The two men are walking with Jesus. Jesus is explaining to them. They're talking, oh man, this man was killed. And this is what happened. And Jesus is, is opening up scripture. He's like, well, didn't scripture say that this would happen? Right? Jesus is like kind of leading them on. I feel like we have these conversations, like he's leading us somewhere. (laughs) We're not quite sure where. Okay, jumping ahead to verse 28. They came to the edge of the village where they were headed. He acted as if uh, he were going on, but they pressed him. Stay and have supper with us. Uh, It's nearly, I love that they say he acted. Oh, no, I've got to go. (laughs) I'm busy. (laughs) I I mean, I'm hungry, but, you know, I I really should keep going. (laughs) But they pressed him. Stay and have supper with us. It's nearly evening. The day is done. So he went in with them, and here's what happened. You know, side note, right? Because this is amazing. I love this story. What what revelation do they miss out on if they don't operate from a place of hospitality? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not what the text is trying to teach, but it is something that is there. I mean, it's there. There's this function of hospitality that they Mm -hmm. are offering, and they don't know that it's Jesus in this moment. And they, they offer this hospitality and, 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 and this incredible moment happens in their life. And here's what happened. He sat down at the table with them, taking the bread. He blessed and broke and gave it to them. At that moment, open-eyed, wide-eyed, they recognized him. And then he disappeared. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, this story is so filled with experiences that I'm like, man, I'd be so freaked out. <laughs> like, the empty tomb, yeah. I mean, if I know, I don't want to see angels, we've talked about this, I just, I can believe them and never see them, that's yeah, fine I with mean, me, I don't the want them story. showing up in my room, that's yeah. just weird. And then this, like, talking, like, and then just, like, people appearing and disappearing, I don't need that either, yeah. you know? The whole um, thing borders on supernatural. Yeah, it does, I mean, it borders on that, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> probably over the border. I read this, I read this story and, you know, there's this moment where Jesus is breaking the bread and he's giving it to him. And they're, all of a sudden they like realize, oh, this is Jesus. And he, and he disappears. And, and when I'm reading that text, I'm like, I want to know how they knew it was Jesus. Like, like what? Yeah. How did that happen? Like not the, you know, two hour walk, you know, yeah. or like what, why in this moment? And he I was like, glasses on and he took them off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was like, yeah. And I read, you know, some of the, theolo- theolo- some of the commentaries were like, he had a glorified body, like his body was different. Maybe they didn't recognize him as Jesus before because he's resurrected body. And there are things that they didn't recognize. And I'm like, was it his bread breaking technique? You know, like there was like a way, yeah, you were thinking that too. Like there's a way that Jesus broke bread that was different yeah. than the others. And he's yeah. like, Jesus, you know, um, 
Um, did something, you know, like, did something become familiar in that moment? Was there, like, What happened? And then, and ultimately, it's like, as I was studying, I'm like, is there, like, because you want a formula. Like, how can, for me, I'm bringing it over to me. Mm. How can I convince people that Jesus is Jesus, right? right. Like, if I would know how yeah. he did that here, I could replicate that, right? right. Um, but uh, I, I think maybe the point is that this is something only Jesus can do when he wants to do it. Right. And there is sort of a relaxed nature for someone who grew up in a very strong kind of you know, evangelize, evangelize. There's this, like, it's on me to convince people that Jesus is, you know, who he said he was. That there is this release in this moment of, man, Jesus is going to reveal who he is when he decides to reveal who he is. And all we can do is give testimony to that. And all we can do is bear witness. And sometimes, like I said, we're walking with him. We don't even know. It's Jesus. Like, and he's like, hey, that's me, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, oh. Then he disappears, and you're like, Jesus, where are you? <laughs> I was thinking about this from the perspective of, like, uh, theological systems, right? Because what you're talking about with that, that sense that it's almost on us to actually uh, reveal Christ to people in some sort mm-hmm. of evangelistic way comes from a, a tradition called the revivalist tradition. And there it's, uh, you kind of see it come out of uh, a, a preacher named Charles Finney, who was a lawyer and really formulated a lot of these ways to um, kind of motivate and move people towards these experiences and, and believed that, that, uh, he could really have that effect. And then, so that's kind of the tradition we've come from. But the more I've studied and I see you know, thought from the Calvinist system or thought from the uh, Arminius systematic theology is that it seems the most sound kind of biblical idea about revelation and people having is, is that it's up to God. Like it, we are uh, witnesses. We witness to what it is that we've seen God do and who it is we believe Jesus is. But it doesn't seem yeah. anywhere that we get to like convince somebody of it. Yeah. That there, there, there needs to be this moment. Yeah, um, a moment um, when I was reading Richard Rohr, and he talks about the moment when something moves from the head to the heart. Mm, that drop, yeah. that moment. Yeah, yeah, which is what we well, believe. It's what Wesley talked about. Yeah. Wesley was already a trained minister. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, right? He, um, that, that's he had this moment where he says he was at this prayer meeting and his heart was strangely warmed. That's the Mm -hmm. phrase that everybody always quotes from him, that he had this experience Mm. uh, with Jesus that made all of the head knowledge that he, I mean, this guy was brilliant. He was known to just like ride around on his horse and quote the new Testament in Greek. This was like the nerd. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And he had all of this knowledge, but still hadn't had that, that connection. And, and, and then at this, it was at a prayer meeting. It was reading the um, the preface to a commentary on Romans. <laughs> oh my goodness! Who would have thought? And he, and he had this. Everyone, moment. get out your commentary. Yeah. Okay. I mean, <laughs> so it's you know it, it is relieving. I agree yeah. with you, and I I think we should be relieved because it's the 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 way that we're meant to live is in this place of joy, telling about who God is to us, and not browbeating people into you you got to believe what we believe because maybe we can make a better uh intellectual argument so i love that verse 32 back and forth they talked didn't we feel on fire our hearts were strangely warmed yeah Yeah. that's another way Uh that that gets translated as he conversed with us on the road as he opened up the scriptures for us they didn't waste a minute they were up and on their uh, way back to Jerusalem. They found the 11, the, the apostles, and their friends gathered together, um, talking away. 
it's really happened. The master has been raised up. Simon saw him. Yeah. I just appreciate that. One of the dudes saw, so now we know it's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so apparently in between, this was, yeah, also a little, just a little fun fact. Jesus had apparently made another appearance to Simon Peter sometime between the grave and this moment. But anyway, that's how they were convinced. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. Okay. (laughs) Verse 35. Then the two went over everything that happened on the road and how they recognized him when he broke the bread. While they were saying all this, Jesus appeared to them and said, Peace be with you. There's Jesus again. Ta-da! They thought they were seeing a ghost and were scared half to death. That's what I can relate to. He continued with them, Don't be upset and don't let all these doubting questions take over. Oh, so good. Church, don't be upset and don't let all these doubting questions take over. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. It's really me. Touch me. Look me over from head to toe. A ghost doesn't have muscle and bone like this. Was he like, it doesn't have muscle like this? <laughs> He's like, yeah. That is not what a commentary would say. Yeah. As he said this, he showed them his hands and, they show, and showed him his feet. They still couldn't believe what they were seeing. It was just so much, too much. It seemed too good mm-hmm. to be true. Uh, one big takeaway. Don't let the doubt overwhelm you to the point of not mm-hmm. engaging. Come investigate. Come explore. Come with all your questions. That's Jesus' invitation. Yeah. Bring your doubt. Bring Just don't it. let it over. That, I mean, yeah. that's the charge here, right? Yeah. Is that, you, yeah. Don't let your... the doubting questions take over. Yeah. Oh, man, that's good. That's a good encouragement. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't let, go ahead, please. Don't be afraid to express your doubt. Yes. I mean, we don't stop. We don't want to show any sign of internal struggle. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's that's kind of what I was alluding to earlier is what we've been working on for ten years, right? Is continuing to try to build a community that that stands with that kind of uh, posture towards one another, that non-judgmental acceptance of one another, no matter where we're at in this journey. Belong before belief, right? Yeah. That's that idea. Yeah. 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 Um, there's a. Uh, a in, in kind of concluding our this talk this morning, um, I actually started uh, this Easter talk with a lamentation, um, which is just where I, like I said, it's just where I'm at. And it, I think it's honestly, as a whole in our community, if I were as a, pa- as, as a pastor in this community, where I think we've been. And um, I, I, so I, start, I started with this, but I want to end with this um, this morning. And it's from Lamentations Lamentations chapter 3, and it says this, um, speaking of the doubt and our own fears or whatever that we, wherever we're at, that we can come to God with. I gave up on life altogether. I've forgotten what the good life is like. I said to myself, this is it, and I'm finished. God is a lost cause. I'll never forget the trouble, the utter lostness, the taste of ashes, the poison I've swallowed. I remember it all. Oh, how well I remember the feeling of hitting the bottom. But there's one other thing that I remember, and I keep remembering, and I keep a grip on this hope. God's loyal love could not have run out. His merciful love could not have dried up. They are created new every morning. 
How great your faithfulness. I'm sticking with God, and I'll say it over and over again. He's all I've got left. It strikes me, too, that this passage was written before, before resurrection, yeah. right? Yeah. A hope in the unfailing, faithful love of God. Uh, there's a psalm that I go to. It's the next tattoo that I want. <laughs> at, the, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, at the end of this life, if, there, if, if, if it's true that there's an, we, we, we will stand before God and we give an account for our lives and what we've done and all the things, um, that we could overanalyze forever. No, at least I could. Yes. Yeah. At the end of the day um, is the psalm that I, I hang on to, whatever it is at the end, but I trust in your unfailing love. Yeah. That's mm. it. And so this morning, wherever you're at, whatever doubts, whatever questions, whatever fears, whatever sorrow, um, I just want to encourage you to continue to trust in the unfailing love of God the unfailing love of God. And um, I hope that we as a body, we as a church, we as people can be people who keep returning to that and keep encouraging one another in that as we grieve together, as we laugh together, as we celebrate together through all the things, but we trust in your unfailing love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can I pray for you? All right. Hmm. Thank you this morning, God, for the reminder of Easter, for the reminder of um, love conquering death, for the reminder of the um, obedience and the love that um, we see uh, between the Spirit, the Son, and the Father. Um, I pray this morning, God, that uh, you would warm our hearts um, as we've talked about you, as we learn about you, as we spend time with you, as you are here with us. You said where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are. You're here. And uh, we, we want to recognize you and acknowledge you in this place. And um, we invite you in these next few moments as we just take a few seconds, a few minutes just to respond and to reflect, God, in these moments. Would um, you speak to our hearts? Um, speak to us and do those things that only you can do in our lives. In places where we have experienced death, literal, figurative, emotional, spiritual, whatever it is, God, in those places would you begin to um, speak and breathe your life into us, God? Would you fill us this morning, God, with your hope? Would you remind us, God, of your unfailing uh, love, the mercies that are new every morning, your grace that is sufficient for us, God? Even when we don't feel it, when we can't see it, God, um, help us to, to turn to you, to trust in you, God. Thank you for um, the ways in which you show up again and again in our lives. Would you help us to show up for one another? Um, uh, help us to be your hands and your feet, to be your body, God. Um, help us to bring hope and life and healing in this world. Um, come and do those things that only you can do in us as we take some time to reflect in Jesus' name. We're going to uh, just we have a song here at the end. 
Um, there's a basket that's in the back for giving. Um, there's communion that is in the back uh, for you to take. Just encourage you to respond in the way that you want to respond in this moment. I will sing the song and then we'll read our passage of scripture together and close out. Thank you.